Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we continue our, our theme of striving, seeking to be what God is calling us to be, living up to our purpose. And, uh, and I'm grateful for our elders and for each of you serving God and, and living out your purpose. When I was a child, the best possible life that I could think of would have sounded something like this, no school. I could just run around all day, do what I wanted to do. No cutting grass for my father, because he always made me cut the grass. Junk food anytime I wanted it, a stereo in my bedroom, lots of new gadgets, my best friends whenever I wanted them, cartoons all day. That would have been a perfect day. I never had that day in my life, thanks to my parents. I can never understand why my parents wouldn't let me decide how I should live my life. In my house, it was life by my parents' rules. Anybody, anybody live, grow up like that, life by your parents' rules? Rodney, put your hand up. I know your mother. <laughs> my mother, Rodney, my mother made milk from powder. She, it was much cheaper than milk in a, in a, in a container. So my mom... Um, I never knew that milk was white because she would mix this powdered milk with water and it was sort of a light blue. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I hope my mother isn't here today. Um, Once a year, we were allowed to have sugary cereals. You know, Sugar Pops, Captain Crunch, something like that. I would see all those ads on TV. They're magically delicious. Remember, what are those? Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms. I never was lucky enough to get the Lucky Charms. I since have found out that what makes them magically delicious is a ton of sugar. That's that's the magic behind most of these cereals. Mom, once a year, she would buy those little containers that had little boxes, I think there's six in them, little boxes of cereal with all the sugary ones, and I could choose one, once a year. That's why I am the way I am. (laughs) Only (laughs) once a year. Was I allowed to have that? Now I'm an adult. I am trying to be an adult. And I understand that what our children want for their happiness isn't always what's best for them. They really don't understand what they need. But as a wise adult, I know that an unlimited diet of junk food, slobbiness, no challenges, no responsibility, TV all day long, is not what is best. Part of my responsibility is to help our children be the best people they can be, to develop character, faith-based values, morals, and principles, knowing full well that they may not appreciate my choices. As my father said to me, you may not understand now, but you will appreciate it when you are older. I am the man I am today, thanks to my parents teaching me to be an adult. But it's interesting that somehow not a lot changes when we become adults. Adults just seem to be growing up kids in some respect. I drive past many houses here in St. Catharines and you see these, you hear about, you know, some of our financial problems, yet there's beautiful boats and trailers and campers, all this new stuff. And then all of this stuff is outside and then they open the garage door And inside the garage, it's filled with wonderful stuff that they bought with their hard-earned money after taxes. 
but the stuff is in the garage. If they were willing to, if they needed it, why did it end up in the garage? Um, adults may not necessarily be thinking about the decisions that they make. You know what I think a lot of adults ask before they make purchases and make decisions? They ask themselves, what would make me happy? What would make me happy? Maybe a new car, one of those cars, I've always wanted a car with one of those backup cameras so you can see where you're going behind you. That's what I need, then I'll be happy. Maybe I need a smart house, a smart house. So I come in and I say, Alexa, make me coffee. Turn on the lights and, and lower the shades. At this point, I have to say, Sarah. No, no, I don't say, no, I don't say that, no. You know what would make me really happy? A bigger TV, right? Have you seen how big TVs are now? Remember our 13-inch black and white? Do you remember enjoying TV on a little screen? How did we do it? How did we survive? You know that you cannot enjoy TV unless it's at least 55 inches. And that's small now. You need 85 inches. You know what would really make me happy is if I could just go on holidays to some place with a name that I cannot pronounce. Then I would be happy. I know I can't afford these things, but it's not about money. My happiness is more important than my money. That's the question many people ask. What would make me happy? As if the world revolves around me. But can we please say this together? It's not about me. It's not about me. Say it again. It's not about me. Life is not about me. It's not about that looking in the mirror and just seeing ourselves. God, like a wise parent, desires the best for our lives. He knows it's not all about me. It's not all about what I want. What I think may be best for me may, in fact, be terrible for me. God's parental responsibility is to help me develop character, values, Christian morals, and principles, knowing full well that I may not appreciate it. Remember the old saying, if it feels good, do it? That's not a good saying. That's led to a lot of garages full of stuff that people spent their hard-earned money for that just rots and rusts. God wants to develop in you and me character. Described in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he wants us to be poor in spirit, to be meek and kind, pure in heart. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who have everything they want. Rather, he says, blessed are those who want to live for God, who want to live for others, who want to care for the poor, the widow, the neglected. Jesus wants me to live by the fruit of the Spirit. God's Spirit gives us love, happiness, peacefulness, patience, joy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. Jesus wants me to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Paul speaks to us in that great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. What am I created to do? What does God want me to do? Oh, she's been so good. Come on, Jane. Hang in there with me. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Love is kind. This is us. Love is patient. Love is never jealous or boastful, proud or rude. 
Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrong, of things, the evil that others do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. Love never fails. Is this, is this a love that sounds kind of like the lovey-dovey love? No. That is not love. Goodbye, Jane. I love you. This is a passionate, purposeful love. Love is hard work. Love requires sacrifice. That's the kind of love God is calling us to develop. God wants me and you to grow up spiritually and become more and more like Jesus. And becoming more like Jesus doesn't mean that we lose our personalities and we become a Christian clone. No, God created us unique with our possibilities, our talents, our gifts. And I'm still getting your gifts analysis done. Katie and I are working. Thank you for filling in your, your, your gifts analysis forms. Becoming like Jesus is about changing our characters, though. It's about changing how we live. Our character can be defined as the sum of our habits, how we normally act. So some of you say, Pastor Rob, what can I do? Well, how can I be more like Jesus? And there's a simple solution. We do what we can, where we are, with what we have. Let's read that together on the screen. We do what we can, where we are, with what we have. We do what we can, and we can do what we can do because God gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, and hands and feet. Where we are is a gift from God. Have you ever lived in a more beautiful place than St. Catharines? And I've lived all over the world, and I love this place. With what we have, and everything we have is a gift. Even a brand new bride-to-be. And a brand new husband-to-be. Everything we have is a gift. Our beautiful babies. It's nice. It's nice to have... The babies are coming in. They're leaving the quiet zone and they're coming in. And I love it. Jesus is a loving parent and interested in character formation and interested in us having an abundant life. He promises, John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and to have it more abundantly. Full life, abundant life. Do you know the word in the Bible for life? It's interesting. You should know this one. And you do know it. Have you ever met someone called Zoe? Z-O-E? Zoe? Zoe? De Chanel or something like that. She's a famous actress. Zoe is Greek for life. So you learned Greek today. A little bit of Greek. Zoe is life. Um, and the words in the New Testament for abundant life is perisos zoe. Abundant life. God doesn't want us to be bored. God wants us to be extraordinary. Um, but we interpret abundant life as perfect health, financial and material blessings, Pleasure, happiness, instant relief from problems. But that is not abundant life. Sometimes we define blessing primarily as financial or, or health. Um, we expect the Christian life to be easy, but we know it's not. It's not about an easy life. In this approach, where blessing means everything good and no pain, no, no struggle, God is a genie who simply gives us what we ask for. But God isn't here to, to grant our wishes. He's here to walk with us as we carry his cross. He walks with us in our ups and downs. Now in the um, sort of later first, second, and third century, there were other people who went to extremes. Uh, maybe some of you know um, someone like this who thinks that anything fun, anything enjoyable, 
can't be right, that everything pleasurable is wrong or evil. Uh, having, an, having any earthly possessions that you enjoy, oh, well, would Jesus, would Jesus drive a motorcycle? Yes. <laughs> Just so you, if you want the answer to that one. Um, but that's another misunderstanding, this idea that anything enjoyable is evil. In the second century, David, I, I, I pulled up a couple pictures. They're called the ascetics. And they were people who uh, were hermits. That's another word. They deliberately starved themselves, beat themselves, cut themselves off from human contact, believing that all earthly pleasure was sinful. In this approach, God is a severe disciplinarian who makes you miserable, and the goal of a godly life is to be miserable, is to be, to be devoid of any pe- pleasure. Anything on earth, evil. Anything from heaven, good. And this is, again, a, a wrong understanding. And in some ways, both of them are about me. In, in our sort of Western culture, it's me, me, I want for me. Uh, in the, the ascetics, the second century, it was me, me, I, I want to. It's all about God and me. And I'm going to hide and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wash and I'm just going to be just me and God. Um, what we need to remember is that life is not about me. It's not about us. It's about God's kingdom. It's not about us getting our wishes fulfilled. It's about, and it's not about suffering Miserably, It's about God building his kingdom and inviting us to be a part of it. It's about the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to build the kingdom of God? I think of a friend of mine. There was a man who, who taught me a lot. His name is Bishop Ngala, Nathan K. Ngala from Kenya. And he started a small house group in, uh, in his church. You can see he's a big man. And every time I would come to his office, I would bend down and grab his, piece, his feet. And I would say, and he would touch my head and say, Marhaba, and he would bless me. He didn't speak any English. Um, he was put in prison because he started Bible studies that grew in a church. He started a church that wasn't a Western-based church. He started a church, you can see in, in that church, um, after getting out of jail, the church started growing. This is in East Africa. In houses and, and villages, the church started growing. They called themselves the Africa Brotherhood Church. They didn't have money. They didn't have education. Many of them couldn't read. They just knew that they loved Jesus and they wanted to build his kingdom. They did what they could, where they were, with what they had. And dear Bishop Ngala has gone to be with the Lord for his uh, funeral, they filled a football stadium full of people. And I got to write his funeral message. Yeah. They started schools. They started farms. They invited a crazy little missionary from Canada, Dr. Patterson, to come and to teach their pastors and leaders. And um, they made me a bishop. In their church. Can you believe it? See that little funny collar on? They're not Catholics, they're evangelical Christians. But they're like no other church on earth, the Africa Brotherhood Church. Do you want to go? I'd love to introduce you to this church and the people that we love. The bishop now is one of my graduate students. So uh, I'm so proud. God did incredible things through this man, Bishop Ngala. 
He did incredible things in Africa and East Africa. There's over 100,000 members to this church. There's, there's more Africa Brotherhood Church members in East Africa than there are Mennonite brethren in Canada. All started by this, this faithful man who loved God and did what he could where he was with what he had. God blesses us. He, God wants to bless us. Maybe not the way we think, but God wants to bless us. Our scripture reading this morning gives us an idea of how much Jesus wants us, how he wants us to live. That beautiful scripture Emily read, Ephesians. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self. Put off your former way of life, to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's us. Created to be like God, righteousness and holiness. It's incredible. We may want to put ourselves first, but Jesus says, no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And this is the first and foremost important commandment. The second most important commandment is this. Just like it, it's like it says, love others as much as you love yourself. Matthew 22. We want physical health. We say, God, give us strength. But God blesses us with good spiritual health. He says, offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible way to serve God. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. Understanding the way God wants us to think. Then we'll know what's good and what's pleasing. We want an easy life. We say, God, give us peace. Take care of us. But God gives us peace and his presence in the midst of the chaos. Philippians 4, don't worry about anything, but by prayer but by prayer and supplication, pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and request to God. Then, because you belong to Jesus Christ, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Do you want that peace? It's for us today. It doesn't come because our life is easy comes because our life is good and we follow in obedience. God tells us to love one another. That's a key. That difficult, purposeful, strong love. Let's read this uh, Romans 12, 9 to 15 uh, responsively. Be sincere in your love for others. Hate everything that is evil and hold tight to everything that's good. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Never give up. Eagerly follow the Holy Spirit and serve the Lord. Let your hope make you glad. Patience in time of trouble. Never stop praying. Take care of God's needy people. Welcome strangers into your home. Ask God to bless everyone who mistreats you. Ask him to bless them and not to curse them. And others are happy. Be happy with them. And when they are sad, sad with them. Don't be proud and feel that you are smarter than others. Make friends with ordinary people. 
Don't mistreat someone who has mistreated you, but try to earn the respects of others and do your best to live at peace with everyone. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Romans 12, 9 to 15. Read it when you go home. You want to know how to live? Read Romans 12 and live Romans 12. God's goal for us are found in scriptures, all throughout scriptures. But sometimes it's hard to get our minds around scripture. God may bless us materially, physically, tangibly here on earth. And let us be thankful if he does. And let us share our good fortunes with each other, with God's people and with the world. But those things are not the most precious gift that God can give us. The things we just, we just read together, spiritual vitality, peace, God's principles, his freedom, are far more valuable. They will make your life have significance and influence far beyond your life here on earth. Uh, we are fading. From the day we are born, we are moving towards the day we finish our journey. What are you going to do in the interim on the journey. What can you do to make your life have significance? I say live according to God's word and you'll have influence far beyond your life here now. What will your legacy be? You may not be like Bishop Ngala and start a church. You may not be like Billy Graham, a wonderful preacher and an incredible man. You may not be like William Tyndale who who translated the Bible and opened the Bible up for people to read for themselves. But we can do what we can where we are right here in St. Catharines with what we have. We have this building, what a gift. We have each other, what a strength. We have Christ walking with us every day. What a miracle. We all can be the people who live for and live like Jesus, then our lives will make a difference. And then we get the gift of peace and contentment besides. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our hands, that we can do what we can, Father, with the strength you've given us. Show us the needs around us in our families, in our communities. You are right here with us. Right here. Father, help us to do what we can here. We ask that you would use us, whatever we have, our energy, our words, the works of the, our hands, whatever we have, we give to you. And we say, Father, use us to change the world for Christ's sake. Help us to remember the needs of others, to put the needs of others above our own. Father, help us daily to be reminded that our life is not about ourselves. It's about serving you. It's about caring for others. Yes, Father, we pray for physical health. And we pray for those around us who are struggling physically. Help us to be patient and to be aware of the sufferings of others. Father, we do not pray for an easy life. We pray for a good life, a useful life, and a passionate life. Father, help us to live by your words. Don't worry about anything. 
but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, Father, we offer up our prayers and our request to God. Help us as we seek your peace that no one can completely understand. Walk with us today, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.